Amen. It's good to see you this morning. Make yourself at home. Uh, those of you here in person and those of you joining us online, we're glad that you have joined and worshiped together today, and I'm so thankful to be here. Are you glad to be here? Yeah. You know, uh, jo Joey is absent today. Joey went and went, Woo so I'll throw that out there for him. Uh, he had to, he's called to work, and uh, but it's good to see you. You know, I, if, today, today's message made me think about the, uh, the young pastor. Uh, went to his very first church. And so there he was on his first Sunday preaching his very first sermon. And then after the service, everybody was just patting him on the back. He did such a great job, you know, that his delivery was good and his points were clear and and that uh, he did a good exposition of the text, and, and they hit that sweet spot. It wasn't too short. It wasn't too long. It was just in there, you know, kind of thing, and, and just on and on. They really congratulated on his first sermon. And then the next week came, and he preached the exact same sermon. Well, they thought, well, you know, he's new, he's young, and you know, maybe he's trying to get it together. And so they really patted him on the back, said, great job. But the problem is he preached the same sermon for two more weeks. Four Sundays in a row he preached the very same sermon. Well, you know, that led to a meeting. There was a group of people that called him to the side and said, we need to talk to you today. And they called him to the side and they said, listen, we love you. We're glad you're here. We know you're young, but we cannot for the life of us figure out why you have preached the same sermon four Sundays in a row. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, I'm sorry. I just thought when we do something about this one, then we'll move on to the other one, right? My job's not that secure. I can't do it to four Sundays in a row. Well, I, was, I was thinking about that. When it, when it comes to certain topics, when it comes to what we're talking about today, we need it to hear it over and over and over again until it sinks in. We need to hear the message to be like Jesus over and over again, that we are made to be like Jesus. When you think about how we're to be like Jesus, we're to be obedient to the Father's will as Jesus was. Jesus set an example for us in obedience, that we are told that he came as a servant, that he was obedient to serve all the way to the cross, that he faced the humiliation of the cross where he died. He fulfilled his purpose. That's the very reason why he came, was to fulfill the Father's will. And then he calls us to obedience like him, to be like Jesus, to be obedient to the Father's will and follow his um, example. And, and that's called lordship. It's where we surrender our, our lives to the authority of someone else. It's called lordship. We call him Lord. We are inviting him to be Lord over our lives. And what that means is it's not my way, but your way. It's not my will, but your will. It's not my life, but it's your life. That's called lordship. Lordship is saying in all areas of my life, everything that I do and say and how I behave is submitted to the authority of the Lord. 
over me. And I want to, I want to share this thought with you that I want you to carry with you through this message and then out the door with you as you go into your week. And that is, Jesus is not one part of our lives, but that Jesus is everything to our lives, absolutely everything. And that's, that's true with the story that we find today in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And the first three verses sets the context for us where someone will really learn the message of lordship. So, so here's the context. You have, a, you, have a, you have some commercial fishermen, and they have fished all night. They're casting their nets. It is, a, it is a laborious job. It is an exhausting job. And the best time to fish in the lake of, of Galilee was at night. And they pull in all night, uh, you know, uh, fishing, casting their nets all night long. And to their great disappointment, they come up empty-handed. Not one fish did they catch all night long. And you know, if you don't catch fish in that business, you can't pay the bills. And there's a lot of worries. We don't know if it's gone on for days like this or not. But what we do know is that night, they didn't catch one fish. You know, when it's like that, you just imagine the trip in to the shore. There's no, no praise songs, no celebration, probably no conversation. Just thinking about what a disappointment it was to catch no fish. And then to make matters worse, when they get to the shore, their task ahead of them was to clean their equipment, repair their nets. And so there they are. They pull up to the shore, and they are they're, uh, situating their, their equipment, their fishing nets and other things. Well, as they, as they you know, arrive at the shore, they notice that a crowd of people is gathering uh, and it's a, a growing in numbers. And the reason we are told that they have gathered together this great crowd is because of the new rabbi, a man named Jesus. And by now, his reputation was well known. He is the one that spoke with authority. He taught with authority. He was the one that performed these miracles. He healed the sick. He was the one that cast out the demons. He talked about a new kingdom that was to come. And the crowd continued to grow to such a number that it was pushing Jesus ever closer to the water's edge. And so there he is all the way up to the water's edge. And there's that boat, belongs to Simon, Simon Peter. And he asked permission to get into the boat so he might teach the people. And so he gets into Simon's boat with his permission and they cast out just a little bit from the shore and anchor down. And we're told that Jesus is teaching but we don't know what he's teaching. But I just wonder, I wonder if Jesus is teaching about the coming of the new kingdom. I wonder if, if Jesus is, is talking about an empty life and how to have satisfaction in that life. Maybe he's talking about submission to the authority of God's will, giving your life to him. Maybe, maybe he's talking uh, uh, along that line. Maybe he said something like, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Well, we, we don't know exactly 
what Jesus was teaching, but it may have been he was talking about the emptiness of a person's life. And, and I just imagine in my mind that he says to the crowd, like these fishermen who fished, casting their nets all night and have come in after a time of labor empty-handed. And that may have just stung at, uh, at Simon just a little bit because he's right there and he's like, man, this is hitting close to home. And, uh, and yet it is all about to change. In just a moment, as this man Simon will be asked to, to follow through on the simplest act of command, the simplest act to follow through the simplest command. And basically, it will come down to this. Trust me. It's almost as though Jesus is saying to him and saying to us, trust me. Now, I want to I read, pick up in verse 4 and read to the end of this passage in verse 11. If you will follow along with me, or you can see the words here. But listen to, this, to the words of this passage. Okay? It begins with verse 4. And it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Jesus talking, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners. Imagine, how do they signal? You know, flags and, oh, hey! Signaled their partners in the other boat. Come, now, here, quick. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him wow everything changes in fact what we find when we go from verse 3 to verse 4 Jesus has turned his attention away from the multitude from the crowd and he's turned his attention to one man I love that in Luke's writing because what Luke does is he really brings us from the crowd to the specific person as though he is talking to each one of us personally. He goes from the crowd to this one man, Simon, and everything will change now with an act of obedience. Verse 4, he is speaking, and he says to Simon, this professional fisherman, uh, fishing for a trade, this is his business. He says to them, hey, put out your, put out your boat into deeper water out there and then drop your nets into the water. And to catch a fish, to catch a fish. 
And I, I look, look, at the, look, look at verse 5. You get this typical response. This is how we respond. Don't, don't look at me that way. This is how we respond. And when you, you, know, you look at this word master, it, this, this is not your typical word rabbi. This is not a term of endearment. This is a word that says something like this. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? When he says master, it's an unusual Greek word here that says, are you kidding me? right kind of thing and and when he says we worked hard all night we didn't catch anything fished all night we went to everywhere we went to all our favorite spots and didn't catch anything and what he is doing is just like we do when God speaks to something into our life we point out the impossibility we point out the improbability you know what I'm talking about hello we tell God you know um, what why it can't happen and in fact, what we know is, is that we set up these, uh, we have these, these obstacles to obedience. Well, one of the obstacles is when God tells us to do something, then we step in as the experts. And as the experts, we explain, okay, look, I know all about this business and, and it just can't happen. I, I don't, we, we do this. Amen? Uh, sometimes we let pride get in the way. Are you kidding me? Look at all these people. They're going to say, look at that fool going out there. He is dropping his nets into the deep water when we know there is no fish in that area at this time of the year. That's basically what's saying. No, just impossible, improbable. And he's saying, oh, these people are going to look down on me. They're going to think what a foolish fisherman he is. He doesn't know what he's doing. Pride. You ever let pride get in the way? of Doing what God says to do. And then sometimes we let frustration and fatigue get in the way. I'm just so tired. I'm frustrated. I've done this over and over again. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to go any further. This is, this is it. I'm not going to do it. That's what he wants to say. He says, look, been there. But notice he says, but because you say so. Now, I don't know. I try to hear a little sarcasm in there. Okay. Because you say so, he's going to put all the blame on Jesus, you know, kind of thing. This is going to be a disaster. Because you say so. I don't know. Maybe we've done it our way. We'll try yours. Maybe. What I do know is that he is, he is paraphrased, he is really speaking as an expert. He is saying why everything is going to go wrong, why it's not going to work but because you say so. And I want, I want to point out what happens when we are obedient, even with the smallest act of obedience. And that's the way it begins. It begins with the smallest act of obedience. I want you to notice, the first thing, first thing it does, it allows for the miraculous work of God, the activity of God to happen. When we are obedient, God says do that. When we're obedient, it creates an opportunity for God to do something. It's just that simple. Verse 6 says, when he, has, when, he done it, it's, when he did it, dropped in the net, just immediately, it just like it filled up. New. You, you, you know, you, you've been fishing, you catch, you run out, and this is a big one. This is I mean, this is awesome. As soon as he put it in the water, filled up. It allows the moment, even in the smallest things, that we're obedient to God, it allows for God to show up and do something. In a way, they say, God did that. God wants to do that. Okay? Here's the other thing. 
Then, because it involves others in God's activities. Because it's God's activity. In that moment, when we are obedient, God shows up and does something. We say, hey, come over here. Get involved. He signaled for his partners. Come and bring your boat and help. And they, man, they start you know, setting sail and rowing and apparently getting out there. So just think about it. soon as we as soon as we begin to do just the simplest thing, what happens is God shows up, does something amazing. We invite others, and then uh, it, it leads to the blessings. Others are blessed because of it. When we are obedient, not only are we blessed, but others are blessed in the process. Right, and it says that their boat. So, so you got Simon and Andrew, his brother, in that one boat, and he calls their partners, James and John, they come out with their boat. They fill up both boats. It's as though the boat is sinking. That's a lot of stinking fish. They're up to their, up to their ankles in fish or knee-deep. I'm not sure. There's a lot of fish in that boat, right? And then they're both just, ah. Oh. And then it leads to a a deepening trust in Jesus. When we get to verse 9, what it says is that everyone is in awe. But what we're told in verse 8 is that Simon falls on his, falls face down before the knees of Jesus. He's bowed down before Jesus. And this is the way I pictured it in my mind. It's not it's not just, he, he is taken in awe of what Jesus did, like everybody else, but where everybody is looking at the miracle, he is looking at the master of the miracle. And he, and, and what we find here is maybe, maybe the, the steps to lordship, okay? In verse 8, and what's following. Because what, what we're told here is that the first thing in step to, to lordship, Lord, is that he confessed Jesus as Lord of his life. That's verse 8. And notice that he does so in this moment. He, he falls before the Lord in, a, in, in, in surrender, surrender of himself before the Lord, and he confesses that he is a sinner. And he says, I am a sinner. I'm not worthy of you. You're just walk away from me. But it's in this moment that he confesses Jesus as Lord. You see that? Go away from me, Lord. You are Lord. He is submitting himself to the authority of Christ for his life. And, and what, what we're learning here is that this is a daily act for us. Every day, sometimes throughout the day, we are submitting ourselves to the Lordship of, of Jesus, right? Then we're told that he was prepared for a greater assignment. So he is trembling before the Lord. This is a, this is a time of adjustment as he is before the Lord. He's seeing Jesus as Lord of his life. And, and, and Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to go with me. We're going to be missionaries together. Remember how I said that Jesus turns, Luke turns the attention from the crowd to this one man. 
In the same way, he is inviting us to go with Jesus as missionaries to our family, to our neighbors, to our friends, to fellow employees, to wherever he may send us, that we are servant missionaries. And it, it happens, we will be in tune for the very purpose for which God has called us to fulfill this mission, this great, big, hairy, audacious mission to share the gospel with everyone in our community and make disciples that make disciples. That's what he's saying to him. And, and this realization comes in the moment when he surrenders himself, his will, to the Lord's will. And Jesus says, now you are ready to go with me and share the gospel. Make, go as missionaries. You imagine what a missionary does. That's what we do. We live as missionaries in this culture, this time in which we have been placed and then look at this last thing. It says, he believed that Jesus was better. Better than what? Better than everything. <laughs> better than anything. And, and not only that, but we know that, that Simon Peter was a leader among the other disciples. And what's just really interesting, when you say that Jesus was better than, better than any, anything, everything, we find that in verse 11. Because remember the boats? Remember the boats were full of, full of what? Fish, they were just like they were sinking. They, it's harder. They pull up. They pull up to the, to the shore. And it says that when they got to the shore, they left everything. I guess they said to the crowd, you can have, you can have the fish for lunch. It says they left everything and followed Followed him. Now, I, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to uh, share with you some questions. Okay, one is, is Jesus Lord of your life? Now, if if you're saved, born again, you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Then the natural progression is to move to a point in time when you recognize Him as Lord. So we, we all recognize him as Savior, and we want to camp out there, but as we mature and grow, we take responsibility for our choices, for our actions, and there comes a moment of maturity. Maybe you can remember a time in your life when you recognized this was the day that Jesus became the Lord over my life. We understood the difference of being in just Savior, but him being Lord of my life. Life is Jesus Lord. It's what D.L. Moody referred to as the second half of the first blessing. It's just where you come to that place and, and you surrender yourself completely to him as, as best you can daily to him. And uh, there are all, uh, all kinds of ways of expressing that, but I remember what once somebody wrote, I don't remember who's, who wrote it, but what someone wrote, they said, whatever it is called, get it. Get it. Second half of the first blessing, grow up, be mature, be count accountable, be counted for, be counted on. Is Jesus Lord? 
If not, right now, then move in that direction of maturity. Um, here's the other is, does your confession match the content of your life? You know, Simon, Simon had attended synagogue, knew the scripture, had been around all of his life, but some, at that moment, he called him Lord. I know he had a lot to, but he called him Lord. There's a, there's a scripture that's probably one of the most disturbing scriptures I've ever read. And it's Matthew 7, 21. It's a part of the Sermon on the Mount that says, Jesus saying, this is coming to the conclusion of that great sermon. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, shall understand the kingdom, be a part of the kingdom, lead in the way of the kingdom, live according to the kingdom. And everyone who says, Lord, Lord, but the one who is found doing the will of my Father. Wow. And you, you, I don't know if you have your app open or your Bible open, but right there in, um, right there in this, in Luke's Gospel, chapter six. Look at verse 47. This is Luke's version, you know, part of the Sermon on the Mount, verse 47. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. The one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. I reread a story about a man that uh, after the Hurricane Andrew in Florida just devastated areas of Florida. It was just interesting, in his, in his subdivision, all the houses were gone except for his. And he built it many years before, built it in a time when they didn't have to build according to a certain hurricane code. Now they asked him, why do you think your house stood and others blown away? He said, because I followed every suggested code for building a house that would withstand a hurricane. What Simon Peter is doing is laying his life, building his life on the foundation of solid rock. And you can't go wrong with Jesus. Here's the other thing. Here's the other question. What do you need to let go of? What's gotten hold of you? What's in the way of him being Lord of your life? Now, there's always going to be something that is in front of us, something we can make into an idol. 
and really bow down to it. We can let certain things get in the way of him being Lord. And what happens is the, the saying is true. If he, he's Either he is Lord of all or not Lord at all. And when it comes to the scripture, there is no middle ground. There, there, you know, there's, it's either you love him or you hate him. You're either with him or you're against him. You're either serving him or you're serving someone else. There's no middle ground. There, there's no lukewarm. We're either hot or cold. So the, the question is, what gets in the way? What is in your way of him being Lord today? If there's something, you will know immediately. And my challenge to you, I think the scripture challenge for us all is to follow the example of Simon in the boat on a daily basis before him, humble servant. Not my way, not my life, not my will, but yours, because you're a Lord. And if your word says this is better, then I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust you and do everything possible to live in accordance with that word. And when the storms come, guess what? Others are blessed. They see the activity of God. They join in the activity of God. They reap the blessings of lordship in your life. And it leads to a deepening relationship with Jesus. And that's the way it is. So let today be a day where you draw a line in the sand. And you say, I'm moving away from this and moving toward him. It may be two steps forward and one step back, but you know what that is? That's one step forward. That's victory. You just keep going, keep moving, keep struggling, keep giving, and keep surrendering. And the Lord, who is always faithful, will be right there with you. Yeah. What does God want you to do today? I know what he wants from us as a church. What about you? Maybe in a time of reflection, as, as the group comes up and you know, come up and prepare, we time of reflection and commitment and surrender. Maybe it's for you the first time you're committing your life to Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. It may be that you've let some things come into your life and it's no longer about being like Jesus, it's about Jesus being like you. And if that's the case, then it's like Simon Peter. I repent and make the adjustment. It may be that there's something in your heart as a servant missionary, servant, something in your heart that God is saying, commit to it today and move forward as God so leads. That's for all of us. Lord, now have your way. Work in us. We all want this. I know we want it. Sometimes we're just not where we need to be. So you do what you want to do. Let it be that somebody come to Christ today by saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I come to you. Save me from all the terrible things I've done. and Set me free. 
so that as I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Not be ashamed of the gospel. Tell others about you and live for you. When I die, I know heaven will be my home. But Lord, it's not about one day out there. It's about today and making a difference. So we surrender ourselves to you, Lord Jesus Christ. No matter the cost, in your name.